Today's date is January 8th, 2023. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 13 at the hospital to and including page 14 while I lay in the hospital. Karen will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Mandy. Go ahead, Karen. Thank you. Hi, this is Karen C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There, I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself, I was nothing, that without him, I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. My schoolmate visited me and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself, except as my requests bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. My friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all of my problems. Believe in the power of God, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Simple, but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the father of light who presides over us all. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory, followed by such a peace and serenity as I have never known. There was utter confidence. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. For a moment, I was alarmed and called my friend, the doctor, to ask if I were still sane. He listened in wonder as I talked. Finally, he shook his head saying, something has happened to you. I don't understand, but you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor now sees many men who have such experiences. He knows that they are all real. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. Thanks for letting me share or do service. Thank you so much, Karen. And now we will have a 20-minute share from Mandy, who will shed light on these pages. Mandy, we look forward to hearing what you have to share. Go ahead. 
Thanks. I'm Mandy. I'm a food addict and compulsive overeater. Can you all hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, this is a really amazing section because it captures all the steps and Bill's experience with the steps. So first I'm going to go through the reading and go line by line and how I relate to this that he's saying. And then I want to also talk a little bit more broadly about the steps in my experience. Um, so I, the very first section that we read at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise for I showed signs of delirium tremens. That to me is step zero. People tell me step zero is putting down the food. Um, so gain abstinence, separating from our drug, that's step zero because this book recommends entire abstinence in order to um, accept the steps. And so um, that's where I start as I'm putting down the food. And when I put down the food, um, thank God that was June 23rd of 2002. So thank God I've had 20 years of abstinence um, back to back since then. Um, that this is what I experienced. I not necessarily delirium tremens, but I was jittery. I was agitated. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what they're talking about with detoxing. And this is what they mean when they say clean and sober. I'd spent my whole life trying to be a new person via a haircut or a thorough shower or something to make me brand new um, and permanently brand new. But when I put down the food and got rid of the foods that are drugs in my body, um, this is what I experienced is kind of that jittery detox. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am an addict. Um, so then it talks about um, <clears throat> there, I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. So that's uh, step three. And then to turn ourselves over to his care and direction. Um, and then uh, I admit for the first time that of myself, I'm nothing that without him, I'm lost. That's essentially steps one and two. Um, and then to face our sins, um, give them to God. Um, that's, you know, four through seven when we take our inventory. So I've done the steps as are laid out in this book, um, both in a closed step study group and also um, with a, a sponsor specifically focusing on these steps. Um, and I've done these things um, where I took my, did my third step prayer, um, had written my fourth step to my and then read it to my sponsor and that included all my resentments that I knew of um, fears and sex conduct and gave it to my sponsor um, and I remember the I feel like the third step it can be one done once formally but it's also a day-to-day -day, sometimes moment-to-moment -moment thing where I remind myself oh yeah I'm supposed to be doing things the way God wants instead of my faulty ways um, but there when I was newly abstinent I was in Boston at the time and I remember being with somebody in program uh, and staying at her apartment while I visited Boston and um, and just thinking, this is so weird. Like these people are so weird, <laughs> you know? And I think she'd written, somebody had written a song with the lyrics of the Serenity Prayer. And I thought, oh my gosh, what's going on? But I thought, where else am I gonna go? You know, what else can I do? So uh, I went to the bathroom and like got on my knees and did the third step prayer in the bathroom. That's the first time that I formally remember taking the third step, but since then there's been other ways to my sponsor and stuff. Um, and, and I'll get more into the steps in a little bit, but then it talks about um, his experience with the fourth and fifth step where he acquaints, um, he tells uh, his friend who, uh, that was Ebby Thatcher, I believe, um, about his problems and deficiencies. And then he does step eight. He makes a list of people that he's harmed and, um, and then does what he can, step nine, to right those wrongs. And that's what people had me do too. They 
um, from my fourth step list, I pulled anybody that I'd done harm to, including myself, including God. Um, and then I wrote out the amends that I would make. Um, and my sponsor helped me walk through and be wise about which ones to make, which ones to not make directly, um, which were living amends, which weren't needed to be made at all. Like there are some times where I felt like I needed to be apologetic for living or say, I'm sorry to everybody, or I was taking too much responsibility for things that weren't mine to take responsibility for. So um, she helped me discern and navigate um, which amends to make and how to make them. Um, and, and that being said, this isn't a perfect process, meaning there are some amends that I made that in retrospect, I thought I should have done that differently, or um, that wasn't necessarily one that had to be made like that, but it's all a learning process. And um, my perfectionism is part of this disease, um, learning to be okay with the messiness of life and the messiness of humanity is part of my recovery. Um, and then that, that next paragraph, when it talks about our God consciousness within, to me, that's step 11, that once we're unblocked, we've gotten it with God and steps one through three, got right, in with, got right with ourselves and four through seven. And then, then our fellowship in eight and nine, then step 10, we continue to clean house. And then step 11, we can better discern God's will. Um, I'm never fully going to know, oh yeah, that was for sure God's will. Although some things like in terms of actions necessarily, but um, some behaviors and attitudes I know are God's will, like gratitude, I believe is God's will. I believe it's God's will for me to be abstinent because um, then I'm not worshiping the false God of food. Um, and, um, you know, things like humility, I believe is God's will. Um, putting God first, I believe is God's will. So there are some things like that, but overall trying to discern when should I go to the store or how should I navigate this problem at work? I think there's a lot of gray area and nuances but as we work on our step 11, as a paragraph says, we learn more and more the nature of our higher power. We also learn that through the tools and through um, literature and people and program, there's lots of different ways that I get to know who God really is and what truth really means. Um, and, uh, and also it talks about kind of, we have to get rid of the selfishness. And it talks about that later too, how self-centeredness is um, and self-centered fear, how that drives so much destruction in our life with our self-seeking behavior. But um, I love the end of this, this 12-step part at the end of page 13, because it is a set of promises that we don't really, we have our promises that we are go-to things in our meeting formats, but there's a whole bunch of promises in this book. And here's one section that to me is um, a, a set of promises as well, that when we do these steps, we have the elements of a new way of living, which answers all our problems. That's huge, right? Later on, it'll say too that simple reliance on this power is is what gets us through life and, and things of that nature, which uh, is transformational and so helpful. So um, what that looks like, again, is following this program, following what I believe to be God's guidance um, and um, following these steps. Um, and then more promises. Um, once people accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory and utter confidence. Um, for Bill, he had what I call um, kind of a lightning strike spiritual awakening. Um, later in the back, in the appendix, it talks about how sometimes we have educational varieties. Sometimes we have these lightning strike varieties. And I don't think either way is right or wrong. Um, I think as long as we're seeking God, it's always going to be uh, a good thing. But what helps me is um, if you look at, not to jump ahead 
but just I want to give some context here. So Bill has this lightning strike experience where he believes, or, or God did come to him um, to the point that he doesn't even know the truth and the false, but he's like, is this weird? But they're saying, hey, this is, this is good. This is a God thing. You're sober. Um, but later on, he still gets resentments to the point of wanting to drink. And I think that's critical because just because I have a spiritual experience doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to want my drug, um, which at first seemed counterintuitive. I thought w- once I'm connected with God, once I'm abstinent, I'm, I'm set. Like why, why does he later get plagued with um, self-pity and resentment that almost nearly drives him to drink? But it helped teach me like this is just really a daily reprieve. Um, my relationship with God, just like any relationship, isn't a one and done deal, meaning I don't just try to do things God's way today and have a conversation with God today and then forget about it for the rest of my life. Um, whenever I'm in that type of thinking where I think I can do it once and then coast, I know, oh, that's my addictive symptoms showing up. If I, Because in life, you can't just shower once and then forget about it for the rest of your life or, or just do laundry once and then forget about it for the rest of your life. Like Life is daily disciplines and daily tasks and a ebb and flow of work and rest and, and fun. And um, so uh, this is like, he hasn't done, he hasn't continued to do all the work. Um, and that's why when I do the steps, to me, it's an ongoing thing that I continue to have to be thorough. And um, I think he hit the big things here, but there, this disease is tricky and there's just subtle things that trip us up and resentments that we don't deal with that just trip us up if we don't um, address them. So um, that's why that's why I'm not surprised in a way that he has these waves of self-pity and resentment because we have to continually work on our thought life and getting back into the truth. Um, and so what I mean when I say that, and I'll, now I'll kind of do like a step back overview of the steps in a way. Um, and just one more thing about the reading where it talks about we have to ask if we are still sane because we are people who cannot differentiate the truth from the false. When we first come in, we don't know up from down. I don't know what healthy eating is. And so to have to set aside my old ideas and ascribe to these new ideas, um, first what my sponsor tells me, but then later what I believe God tells me about food and about life and about how to live and how to treat people, um, how to let go of control, how to let go of fear. Um, so to, again, to take that step back, um, I want to talk more about the steps in general. So um, in the first step, I met I'm powerless. And that's for me over food. I have certain things I don't have in my food plan because they cause, cause a phenomenon of craving, um, an abnormal reaction where they make me hungrier. So for me, flour, sugar, sweeteners, I just only have plain, simple food. And I weigh measure, I weigh measure my food so I know when to stop and know when to start. Um, and that structure helps me um, and makes things clear. Um, but I'm also powerless over my mind and powerless over this spiritual malady. And that's why I need a higher power. And that's steps two and three. And then um, earlier when I was talking about like being in the truth, when I'm in the truth, I don't want to eat compulsively. Um, when I'm in my fear, when I'm in my faulty belief systems, when I'm in my self-seeking behavior, I'm going to be looking for relief. And um, for an addict, that means I'm going to be looking for my drug. So in four through seven, that's where I see all the faulty belief systems and then learn what the truth is. Um, and then once I'm, I've done that and turned that over to God, I can get unblocked and be able to look the world in the face through making my amends and then continue to do that and seek God's will and be of service. Because as it talks about um, 
the 12th step here, he's thinking of the thousands of hopeless alcoholics who he can help. Um, but getting back on the truth, I do that mainly in four through nine, where I look at my resentments and I'll give some examples because um, I think it's helpful to hear this practically. Um, this is a simple old one uh, that is a good example, but I have a coworker and uh, she has since um, doesn't work there anymore. Um, so this is a long time ago, but whenever I greet her in the morning, she wouldn't make eye contact with me and would just kind of give me a grunt, be like, good morning. And something about that made me feel uh, crappy. I was thinking like, can't you make eye contact? Can't you say hi? Like, um, but, and then I resented her for it. And this is a good example because it shows you the lies I was telling myself. I was telling myself the lie that I know how she should be. She should be following social norms to make me okay. I'm less than if she doesn't greet me like I want. I'm better than her because I do such and such or she's making me less than. If she respected me, she'd look up. Like all these lies that were coming to me um, about her behavior in this small trite example. Um, so to do the turnaround and look at the truth, um, my value is inherently in God. Nobody can take that away, not even me. So, and she wasn't trying to disrespect me. Um, she was just busy. And in a, in a way it was selfish of me to expect her to always look up from her work to acknowledge me when she's in the middle of doing something. So to get back into the truth and then I'm like, oh, okay, she's just a human being. And this one small thing doesn't have to make or break how I feel. Um, and uh, and, and th this can be true also on a larger scale. Like if there are deep, hard stuff, for example, so maybe somebody experienced something in their childhood that was really rough or um, my relationship with my dad was pretty loaded, pretty contentious. Um, I can still use that same stuff if I'm resenting him. Um, it's often because I only seen him through one dimension. He's my scapegoat. Um, I heard somebody say one time that like they needed to feel better than somebody and the alcoholic was an easy target. And I was like, oh, that's true. So um, looking at those lies, I tell myself that somebody else is to blame, that um, my future depends on the story they told me about my childhood or um, that they're one dimensional, that they're, they weren't a co complex person themselves struggling with things, with their own lives and fears, that they should be perfect so that I could be perfect, whatever that means. Um, and getting to the truth that they're a multifaceted human being, um, worthy of forgiveness, having issues, just like we all have issues, trying to do their best in some regard, like we're all trying to do our best in some regard. Um, and then I can have compassion for the situation instead of resentment. Um, and then similarly with fears, the book talks about how with fears, we look at the origin of them and um, what caused them and where did self-reliance fail and what could I do instead? So that's what I try to do instead. Like if I have a fear, um, I can try to trace it back to the origin and then I can look at what, what's the root of this? What am I doing that's not working? What can I do with God that would work? Um, and a lot of it is a surrender um, and just letting go and trying to do things God's way instead of holding on to my old ways, letting go of the old narratives. Um, and then with sex relations and relationships in general, where am I selfish? I used to think that part of the fourth step was just a list of do's and don'ts and rules about what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do if you're single, dating, engaged, married. But my sponsor said like, this is who, it's not that, well, it, it starts with that maybe, but this is more, who do I wanna be in relationships? Um, how do I want to show up? Um, what are the values that I want to adhere to uh, in relating to others? Um, so that's kind of to me how, how that shows up on a daily basis. And then through the 10th step, looking at that stuff again, 
Um, so um, how much more time do I have? You just have just a few minutes, like two, you're doing. Okay, mm -hmm. okay great. Um, and to kind of catch up to speed, so those are the steps and these I apply as much as I can on a daily basis. I feel like the longer I'm in program, the more human I feel and the more I feel the need for program because I see my mental health issues. I see my OCD show up. I see my control and my fear show up and it feels more acute now being abstinent than when I was in the food because um, I think program just reveals to you the truth and it's uncomfortable to see when I fall short. Um, so I feel like, and sometimes I feel like, do I have any recovery to share? <laughs> I feel like more broken than, than I ever thought before. Um, but that's because I think I'm living life now. Um, and what that also means, so I have a two month old son. He is two months old today. He's, uh, he was born November 8th. And then I have a, um, an older son who'll be three in March. Um, and I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> this past week, he started sleeping through the night for the first time. So I'm super excited about that. But I think uh, being single brought up a set of lies and fears. Uh, being married and having kids has brought up a different set of lies and fears, but all with the same roots of going back to God as my source. Um, that, that, that to me is the bottom line, ultimate solution for everything, whatever the lie or the fear is, it always goes back to being solved by trusting and relying on God and that God is my source and that my value is inherent in God. My security is inherent in doing God's will. Um, and to just be okay with the messiness. Um, and more and more so I'm just trying to talk to God all throughout the day, do turnarounds. And I don't even formally call them turnarounds, but just to get back into the truth over and over again throughout the day. If I'm resenting my husband to get back to the truth that like, he's not my problem. He's not my solution. God is my solution. The only thing I can change is me um, to have compassion and acceptance for how I am so that I can have compassion and acceptance for how he is um, to reparent myself so I can be a better parent for my kids. Um, you know, this, there's a program that talks about how we parenting ourselves with what do they say, like love, gentleness, humor, respect, or, or something like that. But I love the humor part and the gentleness part. Um, you know, we and I love the page in the big book that talks about we absolutely insist on enjoying life. Um, and uh, so I think probably it sounds like my time is about up. Thanks for letting me share and look forward to hearing you guys. That's the timer. <laughs>